All right, my people, good afternoon. This is your man, El Jamal, coming back for another edition of Never Out of Bounds. I have been uh, under the weather a little bit the past couple days, a slight cold, uh, but just uh, been resting, trying to get back. I have a lot of news to talk about. Again, I told you this was going to be a pretty inclusive episode uh, since we did. I didn't see you guys. I didn't talk to you guys over the weekend. We still got to go to college football scores, top 25. Uh, of course, we're going to be going over the NFL fail as well i got a movie review for you guys as well we're going to be previewing the world series and on top of that we got the world on the street you know how we do it so let's get right into it with that all right and uh they're back i'm talking about them russians they keep on coming the, the justice department earlier this week uh earlier last week uh, i believe around thursday yes thursday uh they charged a russian woman uh with conspiracy her name is eliana uh Kusha Kushanova. Now, prosecutors are saying that she uh, headed the finances of Project Latka, which is a foreign influence operation we all know that's headed out of Russia. You already know what time of day it is. The goal was not to choose a particular political side, but to push the discord through general topics. Uh, topics included uh, the NFL the and the anthem protests, immigration, and also the Confederate flag. So what they would do, uh, instead of just uh, promoting a certain uh, candidate, whether it be Democrat or Republican or Trump, uh, more notably, uh, they would just post, you know, random stories on different platforms in order to get a you know certain uh, a certain what do you want a certain reaction that's what i wanted to say they wanted to trigger somebody uh china and iran are also accused of meddling as well they say that but we keep catching russians they say that but just, i'm just saying peep game they could sit there and try to blame china and iran but they keep catching the russians so I, let them say what they're gonna say just follow just just Pay attention to what's really going on. They're blaming Chinese and Iranians, but they keep catching Russians. Just keep that in mind. Uh, but anyways, like I said, they would create fake ro fo uh, profiles on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And like I said, they would develop, they would try to develop racial conflicts as well. An example of one post in August of 27, uh, 2017 described Robert Mueller as simply a puppet. Yet another post a little bit uh, later down the line would eventually say that firing Mueller would put democracy at risk and these are all from the same group they're just again they create different profiles and put these posts all over different social media platforms so again they're very conflicting they're uh they're um you know they contradict themselves and all it does is create discord discord among people on facebook because you already know what people are going to do they're going to post on each other's you know well they're going to they're going to comment first of, first of all they're going to comment on that page comment on that post and therefore you just go from there so you got to watch out which who you're talking to on facebook Facebook, you got to understand, you got to remember what you're putting out there. Just keep an eye because you might end up just messing around, wasting your time going in a circle, fighting with a troll. A certain uh, group, a certain actually, a certain post, exactly, uh, sorry, a certain post uh, wanted voters to donate to a committee that will push Democratic Senators Elizabeth Warren, Nancy Pelosi, and Tommy Baldwin out of office. Uh, posts also described Senator, uh, former Senator, and uh, well, uh, he's no longer living now, but uh, John McCain, uh, they described him as an old geezer who has lost it and also Paul Ryan as an absolute nobody. So, again, like I said, it's uh, two differing opinions, uh, more so just to cause discord 
you know, just to cause these arguments, just to cause uh, right wing guys to attack uh, left wing post and left wing guys and girls, uh, so on and so forth, to attack white wing post. It does not do anything to help us out. Uh, it's false information. It's false propaganda used to lure us in and, and take our times for type take our time from these things. What we really what we really need to be doing is focused on voting, uh, focus on voting the right election officials in, and stop worrying about these Facebook comments. They get us nowhere uh no there was no uh outright hacking uh just information like misinformation like i said and one uh facebook page was able to get over a million views so uh you know there's a lot to be said about fake news and you know there's a lot that the president might say about you know cnn and and any other sports i mean sorry news media outlet that might not be you know aligned with him however uh there is definitely an, an infiltration of our information systems uh we can see that now and you know we might want to blame cnn and all that but again we are arresting and, and catching russian agents so say what you want there's definitely some something to be something to be looked into something definitely to be looked into and um Again, I wanted to guys. I wanted to talk a little bit more about this, about the Jamal Khashoggi case. Uh, just want to give you guys somewhat of an update, and just again, kind of uh, give my take on it with some more information that I got here. Uh, new evidence is suggesting that the Saudi Arabians, as though we kind of already had an idea of this, uh, Saudi Arabia's Prince Mohammed uh, bin Sal Salman is responsible for the death of Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, authorities are uh, well. Turkish authorities are currently looking in the woods as. As of now, uh, no clue on a body being found yet, but if there is one, I would definitely let you guys know here. Uh, the Turkish government hasn't been investigating the murder, but have not released any of the info other than to the U.S. and the information that they will, the video that we saw last week with him getting uh, taken into uh, the actual, uh, the the, the the facility uh the report uh the unreported evidence could still include names of all those responsible so we're waiting on some more information and uh turkey uh is really uh dominating well at least dominating the control in the um the release of this information obviously this is sensitive uh, sensitive obviously you have different parties involved uh so i think Turkey is trying to put itself in the best light in order to make sure they don't have any, you know, any fallback because, of course, like I said before, they're not trying to take any responsibility for this guy's uh, murder as well. Uh, Saudi officials went on to blame uh, their general, Ahmed al-Asiri, for disobeying or just flat-out misinterpreting orders. Uh, outside of that, though, uh, from the Saudi statement, uh, it's very very interesting because what it said here is discussions that took place between citizen Jamal Khashoggi and the person who met him during his presence at the consulate in Istanbul led to a fight a uh, I'm sorry a a fight by hand a quarrel by hands which caused his death how well, you know we saw the video we saw him get snatched up and taken into that building there was no discussion there was no disagreement maybe on the inside that we didn't see but i i saw a man you know being dragged into that building there would there didn't look to be a fight to me uh 
to me, uh, this was an assassination attempt. I, we are, we know this to be facts just by what we by what we see. I don't I don't really trust the Saudi statement here because, like I said, we saw the man get clearly dragged into the building. Uh, there was no fight. There was no real discussions with anybody, and he just you know, went ahead, you know, he was, he was, like I said, he was, you know, taken against his will. Um, this is all coming at a very interesting time, uh, for Saudi Arabia, the Saudi Arabian kingdom. Uh, it looks like they've been trying to go on a, I wouldn't say necessarily a goodwill mission, uh, but definitely a PR campaign just to kind of, um, brighten up their image. This is before, this has been a little bit, this has actually been since before, uh, Khashoggi went missing, uh, but there's been some serious effort on their part uh, they've been working with many uh, UK uh, British uh, a PR firms uh, Freud um, for one of them actually has decided to step away uh, but a new Saudi publisher has is now working with a top uh, publishing company well actually a top newspaper media outlet in England called the independent uh, he has ties to the Saudi government as well and um, also Many of these uh, changes were made after Mohammed bin Salman came to power. Uh, a lot of these PR groups decided to, well, they've already been doing work, uh, some work with Saudi Arabia in the past. Uh, other firms uh, that they're doing work with are uh, Pagefield Global Council, also Milltown Partners, as well as Ketz CNC, a French uh, PR firm. Now, Vice is also doing a promotional video for Saudi Arabia as well. And the Saudis, you know, you know, not only um, are they trying to boost up their PR game, they're also trying to really get in with some of these leaders, uh, members of the Labour and Conservative parties of the UK's Congress uh, were taking were given trips totaling twenty uh, to actually two hundred thousand dollars by the Saudi government, about uh, eight thousand dollars for each trip. Now, Conservative uh, representative or Conservative member of uh, Parliament Rahman Christie was paid four hundred and sixty about sixty actually sixty thousand American well forty forty thousand pounds and about sixty thousand American, which is about sixty. 60,000 American to be an advisor to the King Faisal Center of Research and, and Islamic Studies for two years. Uh, so, you know, definitely uh, some. I wouldn't say foul play necessarily, uh, but definitely you see their influence, the Saudi influence trying to uh, spread a little bit, you know, uh, definitely trying to, you know, manipulate some of those things. It looks it looks to be uh, trying to manip manipulate some of those stories coming out from that country, emanating from that country. And I do believe that the death of Khashoggi has something to do with that. Uh, the Saudis have all have, have also given the U.S. government a hundred million dollars to fight uh, to help fight Syria. Oh, sorry, to help fight ISIS in Syria. Uh, Trump originally, uh, uh, sorry, denied this, uh, but eventually, you know, of course. This all, you know, makes his way, makes his rounds. Uh, however, uh, when he first was told about the. Uh, the assassination attempt he took a strong stance and said that the saudis would suffer severe punishment 
uh, if they were involved. However, now he's trying to revert to rogue killers that weren't involved. And now he's taking a step back pretty much, you know, especially after that $100 million payment. I'd be trying to keep quiet too. Uh, but definitely there's some foul play. Uh, there were 18 suspects at the scene. Uh, definitely Khashoggi has been confirmed dead, uh, but there is no real leads. They're still trying to find the body. Uh, now, for one thing I will say is there's definitely evidence to to maybe say the, the there was definitely evidence to say maybe the arabs were involved with this but one thing i will say is do not sleep on the turkish uh one thing i one thing i did find out i've reported reported about this a little while ago a few months ago but they've also uh kidnapped a foreign uh actually a u.s uh born preacher uh, a while back and they had him in the country for over 20 years so they they are no strangers to take hostages them damn selves and one thing i will find funny is that they are controlling all the information and they're taking their time about releasing all that as well and i just find a problem that a foreign dig well a foreign reporter that has no ties to you but has ties to the u.s just can go missing or can be uh, kidnapped from your consulate. I don't see an outside entity coming to Washington D.C. Uh, and going to a building there and just and just being outright kidnapped. I think there's way too much secret service we have going on, way too much uh, surveillance we have for that, and I just think there's too too many uh, too many too many like doubts for me right now, and I. It's just unfortunate because this is a member of the press again, and this was a member of the press who was critical of certain things being done in the country in which he came from. And we have to realize that not everything our president or our rulers, world rulers are going to be doing or is going to be for the people. And they're not something that we can always, always, you know, we can always support. And we have to have that uh, we have to have the space to be able to to tell it to tell the world those things. And when we don't have that, what we have what we have is a situation where we suffer tremendously and without the world even knowing. So, uh, you know, I, I risk I, I mean, I, I wish that Khashoggi rests in peace and I hope that soon that they get to the bottom of this because again this is just another example of them trying to keep us silent to try to keep us uh just to go along with everything that you see and not everything is fine in the world just because you're okay as of today doesn't mean you'll be all right tomorrow doesn't mean you'll be all right you know anytime in the future we have to be be able to be vigilant and we have to be knowing of these things this is why i'm presenting this stuff to you guys uh you know definitely i want to reiterate what i just said the saudis they definitely have influence in terms of their pr campaign they've been trying to uh, push a lot of stuff under the rug for the past uh 10 or so years uh, uh their their current ruler prince salman i'm not saying he's an evil guy but definitely uh they need to figure out what they did with that reporter asap and there's definitely some things going on in, in their country that that reporter mr khashoggi was trying to enlighten the world to so we have to respect that and so with that being said i'm going to take a quick break y'all and when we come back like i said we're going to be going on the, all the weekends news all the sports news over the weekend we're going to be talking some college football first so we'll be right back y'all all right y'all so uh, we're back into it and there was a lot of, of sports action this weekend so i'm gonna get into it with the top 25 college football scores and uh, starting with Stanford, number 24, Stanford was able to beat Arizona State 20-13. to 13. Number 20, Wisconsin was able to get a 
Easy win against Illinois, 49-20 in Big Ten Conference play. Number 18, Iowa was able to beat up on Maryland, 23-zip. Number 8, Oklahoma was able to get a win against TCU, 52-27. Number 5, Michigan was able to beat on their their little brother, Michigan State, 21-7. And number 1, Alabama was able to take out Tennessee, 58-21. We're going to break this game down a little bit because we had a Heisman candidate participate in this one. Tua Tagovailoa, uh, he is the nation's leading passer, but we're going to get into that in just a second. He went 19 of 29 for 306 yards and for four touchdowns. Uh, Joshua Jacobs, he had 68 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And in terms of receiving, Jalen Waddle led the way with four catches, 117 yards, also a touchdown. Three other receivers caught touchdowns as well. And on defense, Xavier McKinney had five total uh, total tackles and also a sack. And again, like I said, Tua Tagovailoa, he's one of the nation's leading passers. He's currently sitting above 2,000 yards, 2,066 to be exact. He has the best uh, touchdown to interception ratio in the nation, 25 touchdowns to zero interceptions. Again, uh, with Uh, Dwayne Haskins and also Justin Herbert taking losses this weekend. He is your forefront. I would say he's definitely the forefront in terms of your Heisman voting right now. Just another great game on his part. And he doesn't look to be slowing down, even in the games that um, Herbert and Haskins have won. I think they haven't looked as good as uh, Tagovailoa, at least in terms of the eye test. And uh, from somebody who's... uh, you know, following these guys, been following these guys for the past few months. Uh, I've never seen a quarterback come out of Alabama as good as Tua. Uh, they've had a lot of good good superstars. Uh, they've had um, Bart Starr, uh, Joe Namath, two Hall of Famers. Uh, recently, they uh, had uh, A.J. McCarron, also Greg McElroy, uh, get drafted. Uh, but this is the best of them all. I think he's one of the first in a long time that actually, if he does go pro, uh, he'll find his team. He'll be a starter, I would say, day one. And he has some some success in the league. Uh, definitely better than McCarron and McElroy. Like I said, he's probably one of the best uh, talents at quarterback that I've seen come out of Alabama in a long time. And that says something because a lot of the stars that come out of here are on the defensive line or sometimes a linebacker or so. Uh, definitely they've uh, had running backs uh, come out of there in the past few years but and also receivers as well so a good balance of everybody but I haven't really seen a quarterback come from Alabama and really do something in the pros this might be the guy to do it again that's if he decides to do so uh, also uh, let's get into Tennessee real quick uh, Tennessee they were led by Killer Chris, uh, Killer Chris that quarterback he went 9-15 for 164 yards and 2 touchdowns and rushing Tim Jordan led the way with 50 yards and receiving Jawan Jennings had six catches 102 yards and Ty Chandler had a touchdown and on defense Daniel Petuli had eight total tackles all right getting back to these top 25 scores number two Clemson was able to take out uh, conference rival North Carolina State 41-7 I did have Clemson on an upset alert but they were able to get the job done again they also have a a Heisman candidate as well uh, by the name of Travis Atien. I will be highlighting him uh, in a couple days 
just to let you know uh, where he's at in terms of his and his uh, Heisman quest. Uh, but again, Clemson stays undefeated. They're still number. Well, they are. They have been bumped up to number two in the nation, and they're in the driver's spot as of now. Uh, they're definitely in the driver's spot to a national championship. All right, moving on. We got number twenty-five Appalachian State taking out Louisiana Lafayette, twenty-seven to seventeen. We got Penn State uh, taking out Indiana, twenty-eight to eighteen. Number fifteen Washington was able is able to get over the the loss to Oregon and take out Colorado, twenty to thirteen. And number ten UCF uh, keeps on winning. They keep on rolling. In the words of Paul Robeson, Oh man, River, he just keeps rolling alone. Anyways, you know, this is like the 20th straight win going back to last season. Again, they don't get a lot of hype because they play in the in Conference USA, which would be considered like a mid-major uh, conference, not a Power Five, of course, not somebody that's not a conference that always gets national exposure, so on and so forth. So a lot of voters, a lot of pundits are going to put them down for that fact only, but a win is a win, and their last, and their, and their significant ball win that came last year uh, was to Auburn a team from the SEC that everybody gives a whole lot of love and a whole lot of respect to, at least in the beginning of the year, till they start losing. So uh, definitely a win is a win. I like UCF. Uh, again, they took out East, East Carolina 37-10. Another good, complete win on their, on their standpoint. I, st- I think they went out. I think they went out and forced the college football uh, selection committee. I, th- I think they forced their hand. All right, moving on. We got Mississippi State. They lost to uh, LSU 19-3. LSU moves up to number four in the nation. So they are right there uh, in the playoff mix. They're one of the top four, so they're already up there. Uh, number 21, Southern Florida, is able to get the win against Connecticut, 38-0. They remain undefeated for this season. And uh, Purdue, uh, they were able to get the shocking upset against uh, Ohio State, 49-20. to We're going to break this game down a little bit. And uh, because we also had another Heisman candidate in this game, Dwayne Haskins, I talked a little bit about him last week as well. Uh, but let's get into these stats. Uh, Purdue was led by David Blau, who went 25 with 43 for 378, 378 yards, and also three touchdowns. Uh, three uh, DJ Knox led the way on the ground with 128 yards and also three touchdowns. In terms of receiving, Rondell Moore had 170, 170 yards, two touchdowns, and that was enough for him to get the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. So big ups to him. And on defense, Marcus Bailey led the way. He had 18 total tackles. In an interception, and for Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins, uh, he did he certainly did his part. Uh, he went forty nine of seventy three, four hundred and seventy yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. As you can see, they got very one dimensional. Um, Mike Weber was only able to get them forty five yards on the ground, and uh, receiving KJ Hill helped out with one hundred and five yards, and also Terry McLaurin and also Johnny Dixon also got touchdowns as well. So, um, again, Dwayne Haskins didn't have a terrible game, uh, but overall the offense didn't play as well. Uh, they were very one-dimensional, like I said, which played right into Purdue's hands. That's, I guess, that's what they were waiting for. And on defense, uh, they were helped out by linebacker Malik Henderson, who had 11 total touchdowns. So, uh, Purdue, Purdue well, again, uh, I wasn't expecting this win. Uh 
at least not this year. I thought Purdue, uh, they've been on the on the up uh, on the up track for the past couple of seasons. I just didn't think they'd get this win against Ohio State. Ohio State came into the game seven and zip, uh, definitely playoff bound, and I think they are missing Nick Bosa. At least I would at this point. That's just me. All right. Uh, back to the top 25 scores. We got number 12, Kentucky, taking out Vanderbilt 14-7. to Again, Kentucky is one of those teams that took me by surprise this year. Uh, they have a really great defense. If they had a somewhat of a better offense, I would I would put them on upset alert against a team like Georgia or something like that. But I don't think they have enough firepower to really challenge in the SEC this year. But who knows what next year brings. But they definitely have a good defense, top uh, top five scoring defense in the nation, also a good red zone defense as well. So they know how to keep points off the board. Uh, also, we got number 19, Oregon. My Ducks, uh, they went down to Washington State. Uh, took a L this took a L last weekend. Uh, they went to number four Washington State. Took that L in Pullman, thirty four to twenty is your final there. To be honest with you, I really don't want to talk about it. So moving on, we're gonna wrap this up. <laughs> number three Utah, number twenty three Utah, excuse me, uh, gets another big win in the Pac twelve, forty one to twenty eight against Arizona. I'm sorry, against USC. I would pretty much move Utah to the power position in terms of the Pac twelve South. Uh, they will be eventually meeting up with the Pac. 10 North winner uh, to decide that crown. I, at this point, I told you guys going into the the matchup last week against Oregon and Washington State, I had my winner of the Pac-12 North being the winner of that game. Uh, that doesn't change today. I still got Washington State. They're going to have to play Washington, of course, near the end of the season. I just... I just think they're a better team than Washington this year. That's just me. All right, y'all. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk some NFL. We're going to go over the scores of the weekend. And, like, I didn't forget about it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be getting on y'all, New York Giants. If you're a fan, you might not like it. But it's time for a State of the Union address. All right, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. So we're back. And I'm going to go over the NFL. Uh, There's a lot of action over the weekend. Uh, let's get back to this. Let's get to this Thursday night game. Uh, the Broncos were able to beat down the Cardinals 45-10. to And I find it funny because Colin Cowherd, uh, you you might know about him. He runs a show on Fox Sports. And uh, right before Thursday night, uh, he previewed the game, uh, the Cardinals-Broncos game. And he wanted people to take a, a good look at Josh Rosen. Of course, we got Sam Donald uh, getting snaps this year. Josh uh, Josh Allen got some snaps this year before he got injured. Uh, Baker Mayfield, that's another rookie who's getting significant playing time this season. Uh, but apparently he he's convinced with by Josh Rosen, or at least he he favors Josh Rosen. Uh, he wanted people to take a look, and he wanted people to give their GM impressions of Josh Rosen. Now, mind you, I'm a I you know I'm not a GM. Uh, but I have a lot to say about Josh Josh Rosen. I didn't like the game that I saw. Uh, I still think he's just like the rest of these rookies. You know, he uh, definitely has some decision-making issues he needs to work on. Uh, but again, he played against a, a virulent pass rush. That is the Denver Broncos. There wasn't a whole lot he could have gotten done, really. Uh, he has to learn. There's a lot that he needs to learn. 
but again, uh, just like with Baker Mayfield, I mean, they all have their weaknesses. They all have hitches in their game. I still think a lot of them need time. Uh, Josh Rosen is no different. Uh, a few, a few costly interceptions, ugly interceptions that went for six. And again, I, I you know, Colin, I don't see it. I don't see the decision making that you're seeing. Uh, I don't see the arm talent that you're seeing. Again, I'm seeing another rookie, and I'm not saying he's good or bad just yet. I think there's things that make that could make him good, uh, but as of as of this week, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna buy Josh Allen. I would, knowing what I know now, if I were able to go back in time with the knowledge that I had, I wouldn't draft Josh Allen. I mean, I wouldn't draft Josh Rosen. Nope, not at all. I wouldn't have drafted Josh Rosen. Uh, but anyways, getting back into these scores, the Chargers, they able to get the second one in a row, taking out the Titans 20-19. Uh, the Panthers were able to take out the Eagles 21-17. Let's go through this game real quick. I thought it was a telltale game for the NFC, uh, really important game. Uh, Panthers uh, move up to 4-2. The Eagles move to 3-4. Uh, let's break down these stats. Cam Newton went 25 of 39 for 269 yards, two touchdowns. He also provided 49 rushing yards on the ground. In terms of rushing, Curtis Samuel didn't do a whole lot, but he did score a touchdown. And we're talking about the wide receivers. So, again, no real production from the running backs. Christian McCaffrey was a no-show again. Uh, in terms of receiving, though, Devin Funches, he had six catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Greg Olson also caught a touchdown as well. And on defense, Luke. Keekly led the way with 14 total tackles and a sack. And again, uh, Carolina gets the win, but I don't see enough, enough balance on that offense. Uh, again, nobody, no running back got over 30 yards. Uh, nobody really averaged more than three yards per carry. Again, unbalanced. I, I think when you get start getting to the better team, when you start seeing the better teams in the league, they have to play the Saints again. I don't think they take a, a, a W. I don't think they take the, a W against the better teams in the league. That's just me. Uh, not not consistent enough on both sides of the ball. And I think the Eagles are facing the same type of situation. Uh, let's get to their stats real quick. Carson Wentz went 30-37, 310 yards, and two touchdowns. So not a bad game from him. Uh, but Wendell Smallwood only was able to provide 47 yards of rushing. And on uh, receive, in terms of receiving, tight end Zach Ertz led the way. He had nine catches and 130 yards. Asan Jeffrey also had 88 yards with a touchdown. And on defense, Jalen Mills led the way with seven total tackles. Again, both these offenses are not complete in my opinion. I think the Eagles are really are really missing Legarrette Blunt in terms of rushing the ball. Not a lot of balance on any of these teams. One dimensional from both teams. Uh, Thirty or thirty-seven, I think, is are good numbers for Carson Wentz. But again, Window Smallwood, you got to get more yards than that. No real help in terms of uh, running the ball, and I don't think. Again, you know, when you become one-dimensional, you're easy for these for these good teams, for the Saints, for I think the Vikings. I think they they want you to become one-dimensional. That gives them a shot, you know. That definitely, and somebody, especially like somebody like uh, it's Chicago, who we know can score some points. They, they of course they took the L to the Patriots, but again, they can score some points. They can keep you from scoring. Again, I'm not I'm not buying this whole offensive explosion that everybody wants to talk about this year. I'm still 
I'm still a I'm still a firm believer that defense wins is the ultimate deciding factor in winning these championships. Y'all can win whatever games you want to, whatever Monday night game that that are meaningless in the season that you want to. But I don't see I don't see a team like the Eagles really going that far in the in the, in the playoffs. I really don't see the Panthers going that far in the playoffs either. Uh, moving on. Uh, we got the Vikings taking out the Jets 30 to 17. The Bills lose to the Colts 37 to 5. Uh, the Patriots take out the Bears 38 to 31. Uh, the Buccaneers were able to get a win against in overtime against the Browns 26 to 3. And the Texans uh, they took out the Jaguars 20 to 7. Two weeks ago they were in the playoffs. Now everything is falling apart. The Jags are garbage. Get rid of Blake Bortles now, Jacksonville. I don't care what you do, but he's not the man that's going to take you there. Let's break down these stats a little bit. Uh, in terms of uh, the Texans, Deshaun Watson led the way, 19-34, 139 yards. Uh, Lamar Miller, he also had 100 yards on the ground with a touchdown. In terms of receiving, Will Fuller had 68 yards in total. DeAndre Yards was able to get a touchdown on about 50 yards. And on defense, Zach Cunningham led the way with 10 total tackles. Uh, again, a pretty decent win by the Texans. Um, Again, I had them as my favorite going into this season. Uh, this is why I, you know, was thinking about. This is why I contemplated putting Bill O'Brien on the hot seat because this is the season to win this. I told, I knew it going in. Uh, Blake Bortles is not the guy that I would trust. They don't even have receivers like that, and they're already starting. To, well, they you already see what happens when their running game is banged up, and their defense ain't even playing in terms of the Jaguars. So I'm not, I'm not buying, I'm not buying the Jaguars I knew not to buy them as soon as as soon as their top receiver was out for the year Robert Woods excuse me not Robert Woods uh, as soon as he went down uh what's his name Marquise Lee excuse me as soon as Marquise Lee went down for the for the year it was a wrap it was a wrap for me they were not going to get any respect for me this year but in terms of the Jags uh Cody Kessler uh well, let's just say let's just say like it is. Blake Bortles was taken out. He gave up two fumbles, and he put Cody Kessler in there. He went twenty-one to thirty for one hundred and fifty-six yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Uh, Blake Bortles didn't do anything passing the ball, but he did get 30, 30 yards on the on on the ground. But again, he was taken out the game. I think he's done there in Jacksonville, but that's just me. In terms of rushing the ball, yeah, like I said, in terms of running the ball, Blake Bortles got thirty. Uh, yards. T.J. Yeldon only got 24. Uh, Jamal Charles didn't get any chair, uh, any carries. Excuse me. Again, they're falling apart, y'all. They're falling. They're falling apart right in front of your face. Uh, they were good for a moment. They were a one-hit wonder. Now they're gone. In terms of receiving, Dante Moncrief led the way with seven catches, 76 yards, and T.J. Yeldon got a touchdown. Uh, and on defense, Tevin Smith led the way with eight total tackles. Again, you guys, they're fading right in front of us. The one hit wonders. Oh, look at our look at our team got the best defense. Saxonville and nowhere. They're gone. It's been abandoned. It's empty. It's like a ghost town. It's like a it's like a go it's like a it's like a booming it's like a mining town back in like the eighteen fifties. One minute is it's they're on top of the world, the economy's booming, bars are flourishing, brothels. Filled with whores. It's a beautiful scene. 
Yeehaw! You know, blasting your guns in the air. Now, a year later, gone. Nothing. Your quarterback sucks. Your running game is gone. Is officially not even uh, attempting to show up. Your your receivers again retarded, and your defense. Well, that was the best thing that you guys had on your team. Now they look like they're trash. They look like trash bags. Unfortunately. All right, and uh, back to these scores. We have a few more to. Uh, to get over to go over uh the lions they beat the dolphins 32 to 21 dolphins what happened first two weeks y'all was just like just like just like the Bengals. a couple weeks ago we was in the playoffs now we're only falling apart 32 to 21 y'all lost to a rookie head coach y'all got issues bruh Y'all got issues. I don't get it. I don't get it. You were in prime position to snatch the AFC East right under right under New England's nose. They weren't that great this year. They're still not that great defensively this year. They're not that great. They can score points, but they're not that great overall. And y'all keep giving them boys chances. Dolphins, y'all don't want to win nothing. I think that's what it comes to. I don't think y'all want to win games. I don't think y'all want to be in the playoffs. Y'all just live in Miami. Y'all think that's good. We in Miami, we get the sun and, and fine girls. I don't think y'all care about football in Miami, in my opinion. Not since not since Marino left. Not since, matter of fact, yeah, no, nah, I'll give you Marino. I really want to say since the 70s, but you know what? I'll give you a pass for Marino. But anyways... The Saints were able to come out on top against the Ravens, twenty-four to twenty-three. Uh, the Cowboys lose to lose to the Skins, seventeen to twenty. I keep, I told my DC fam, look, y'all got the better defense. Y'all just gotta hope that y'all offense can come together. And again, twenty points aren't a lot. You're gonna need to score a little bit more in the next couple of weeks. But again, y'all want another one, and y'all controlling the NFC East. Y'all control y'all own destiny. I'm gonna keep giving Skins some respect. I'm gonna give him some props because I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I've been trying to get into NFC East for years now, but they've been falling apart. They've been fine. They've been losing games here and there. They end up being five and two at this point or something like that. Six, whatever their record might be, and then they'll just lose games. But I'm trying to. I'm trying to get in the division, man. I'm trying to get them because I don't. I'm not minding the Eagles right now. Uh, I'm not really a fan of the Cowboys right now. We we can already put a fork in the Giants. They are done. I'm going to get to them in a little bit. Uh, but as far as the skins go, if they can get some offense, they can they can they can win that division. I'm I'm not I'm not going to cut them out of that. I think they got it. They number 1 right now. Y'all keep looking out for them. Uh the Rams uh got a good win. Well, you know, they played the Niners 39 to 10. That was the score. That was the final there. You know, we you know they was going to win. They ain't got nobody for the Niners. Um and finally, we got the Chiefs, the the Chiefs, the Chiefs. I said the Chiefs, excuse me, the Chiefs. Beat down on the little pussycat Bengals, forty-five to ten. And again, I want every team that I know that's been trashed the past couple of years that I want to give respect to. Just want to lose. So you know what? I hope y'all keep losing. Y'all trash Cincinnati. Forget all that. Y'all garbage. 
I wanted to give y'all y'all respect. I wanted to give y'all some decency. Say, man, maybe maybe with the Steelers not being as good, maybe with Baltimore and their issues, maybe just maybe y'all can do it. Y'all got a solid enough running game. Y'all had a good enough defense. Y'all got a competent quarterback. No, I'm done with all that. Forget y'all, and y'all coach should, is trash, and he needs to be fired. He ain't taking you nowhere. Marvin Lewis, he's done. If anybody should be on the hot seat, I'm putting him on it, and I'm putting him on the burner, and I'm turning the burner up because he's trash. 45 to 10, Sunday night, they didn't want to even watch the game. People didn't want to watch the game last night. Okay? Garbage. Don't nobody want to hear all that. Don't nobody want to talk about all that. All right, y'all, and uh, we got tonight, we got some more action coming on tonight, Monday Night Football, the Giants are taking on the Falcons, which leads me to my State of the Union address. I won't make this too long because we already know, we know the situation the Giants are in, they're trash, they're 1-5 currently, Uh, there's no hope, okay, there's no hope for this season, y'all need to stop rooting, don't go to the game. You ain't going to change nothing. Y'all not winning that division. Just stay at home. Just stay at home, okay? Eli Manning, he sucks, and he should have He should have, He should have been a real one and walked away about at least a year ago, a year or two ago. He should have walked away on his own cognizant. I don't know why he's wasting a roster spot. You're not doing anything. You're not as good as your brother, even with the two Super Bowl rings. We all see that now. Sorry, just keeping it lit. You derped your way. You you were lucky enough to have Todd Coughlin and Michael Strahan for a few good years. I'm going to say it. For, for his career, he has been the most average quarterback I have ever seen in my life. Sorry, he's an underachiever. And I, okay, yeah, he won two Super Bowls, but you know what? You have to thank David Tyree and a good pass rush for both of those. I'm sorry. I'll give you a Plessico Birds, but I, in terms of Eli Manning, I'm sorry. I don't trust him. I don't trust him. David Tyree had to make that catch because that pass was ugly, and he could have he should have been sacked. Eli should have been sacked that play. I'm going to call it how I see it. He don't deserve it. And they drafted your boy Saquon Barkley to protect him. Because they'd always figured, oh, well, listen, and I, and I, you know, the play, well, no, no, I'm not going to play Darius Advocate because you had capable quarterbacks available in this draft. You decided y'all wanted to play uh, uh, Jim Mara and, and everybody involved in the front office with the Giants. They wanted to play conservative. We have Eli. We have Eli. And then we have Odell Beckham. We had Odell Beckham and Eli. We're going to go to the playoffs. No, you're not. You're trash. Stop Stop lying to yourself. McAdoo tried to tell you. He tried to warn you. No, you wanted to fire him. Okay, he wasn't the greatest coach. I can see why he let him go. But still, you had no, you had no solution to make Eli better. You never did. But y'all want to play lazy. You had, you had at least... Three, I will give you. They could they could have gotten Sam Donald or Josh Rosen. They could have even got. Well, they probably couldn't have gotten Baker Mayfield. That wasn't gonna work. They could have gotten Sam Donald or Baker Baker Mayfield. Two quarterbacks. I'll say it's Sam Donald for Sam Donald's defense. He's better than Eli this year. See, 
it's that it's that fucking nostalgia shit. Oh well, you know what? Yes, he's had a few bad years, but you guys remember twenty ten? No, we don't remember twenty ten. Now that now that we've seen all this crap and this suckiness, I don't remember twenty ten. I don't want to remember twenty ten. I want Eli gone. And I'm not even a Giants fan. I'm tired of seeing him bring down a prominent franchise. I said it. I said it. I said it. He should have he should have walked away on his own. He wanted to be greedy too. Well, I'm still getting paid, so let me just take y'all money. No, go away. The services should not be wanted at this point. You see what happens? Do not let nostalgia get to you guys. Eli Manning is trash. And the Giants are going to hell in a handbasket. I hope you retire after this year, Eli. You're, you've, you've ran your course. Okay? You might be a nice guy, sure. You might be a part of the Manning family. But look, dude. In all, in all seriousness, you're not that good of a quarterback. Okay? Let's keep, let's keep, let's be honest. The best pay, the best Manning to come out of that family is Peyton. If we're talking quarterbacks, the best one was Peyton. Okay. Your father, for what it's worth, he played for a crappy Saints team, and he stayed there just about his whole career, his whole prime that is, and he helped them do some things. And I understand he'll get his respect for that. I know he has a gold jacket, but if we really want to be real here, he's average. Eli. They may give him. A, they may give him a gold jacket. I don't think he deserves it, though. I don't think so. If he would have retired a couple years ago, then I probably would. But the fact that he kept sucking and wanted to keep sucking and everybody watch him, I don't. I don't like him anymore. I'm sorry. He was cool. He's trash. And New York, New York, be. Well, at least for my giant fans, that's the Jets' house now. The Meadowlands, yeah, y'all don't, y'all don't really technically share that. The Jets own that now. The Jets will be a better, will be the better New York team within a year, and they'll be uh, the best New York team for the time being. I said it, y'all trash. Y'all might as well move to New Jersey. Y'all might as well stay in New Jersey. And, and and they should make a new stadium for the Jets and put that in Brooklyn. Because that's the real New York team. Y'all, mm-mm. no. Mm-mm. All right, y'all. So we're going to take another quick break. We're almost done with this show for today. Uh, we're gonna do. We're gonna uh, preview the uh, World Series. We got the uh, Dodgers going on, going against the uh, Red Sox starting tomorrow night. So we're gonna go over that a little bit. And again, I got this review waiting for y'all. So y'all be prepared for that as well. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. So let's wrap this up for today. And it's official. We are now official. We are ready for the World Series. Uh, the Boston Red Sox will be taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers. This should be an epic affair. This will start uh, tomorrow, I believe, five o'clock. Uh, I will have post game coverage for y'all because uh, again, this is what we do. We gonna cover all that we can in this world. Uh, this is what I want to do. Uh, but just to just to get you guys in on uh, what's going on as of now, what got us to this point. 
the ALCS was one in five. Uh, one, one was one in five games. Excuse me. With Boston winning that series four to one, four games to one. Uh, game five was an easy victory for them. Uh, they won four to one, and in that game, uh, it was a it was a simple game for them. JD Martinez, uh, some of their their uh, their more known guys stepped up. Uh, that pitching staff, the bullpen had an easy night. Um, actually, uh, their starting pitcher David Price had a turn back the clock game, a solid game that you don't necessarily you haven't seen from him in the in the past couple of years. But he had nine strikeouts in that game, only gave up uh, actually gave up no runs, uh, only three hits. So a really solid game for him. Like I said, JD Martinez was able to get an RBI, uh, no hits from Mookie Betts, but they're gonna be relying on him in this series. That's for damn sure against Los Angeles. Um, as far as the NLCS goes, uh, that went to seven games. Uh, those two teams were pretty much evenly matched. Uh, Milwaukee was the hottest team going into the playoffs. Um, LA needed seven games to do it. I knew they would, uh, but they were able to get it done uh, quite easily in game seven. I think just fatigue and just the overall talent of the Dodgers just got to the Brewers. Uh, it need, they needed seven games, but uh, the Dodgers were able to come out on top five to one in that game. Uh, Yasio Puig had uh, three RBIs. Uh, Manny Machado was able to get to home as well. He had a couple of hits. And in terms of uh, pitching, uh, Will Berline got the start he did pretty well uh he only gave up i believe just one run he had seven strikeouts so uh both these teams uh headed into it the red sox and the Dodgers will have deep pitching staffs uh bullpen bullpen included uh starting pitchers uh i think match up pretty well too uh like i said david price uh he he's fallen off uh somewhat over the past few years but he can have a decent game every now and again uh the boston uh boston also has uh chris sale as well, he was a Cy Young candidate this year, uh, so they do have they do have him. As far as the Dodgers and pitching goes, they are, we already know they have Kershaw. To all my baseball fans, they do have Clayton Kershaw. They have Will Burline as well. I think Boston might have the better uh, pitching staff, but I do like LA starting rotation. Uh, in terms of of hitting, I would say they're almost evenly matched. I mean, I like Mookie Betts and what they can do. I like Andrew Benatendi. He gets RBIs as well when he's when he when he hits uh jb martinez can also get rbis as well uh xavier bogart hits very well for contact uh he gets runs uh so you know you're dealing with the with two teams that are fully fully balanced we know what the dodgers have uh manny machado uh yasiel puig has shown up pretty significantly in the past couple games at least in the brewer series uh so definitely a team both teams are balanced uh i don't i don't have a favorite really um i i this is this is something that i you know really want to watch for myself to kind of get it get a glimpse at both of these teams uh especially in terms of the Dodgers because every year you know they're always making these big roster changes they're uh flaunting their influence and their and their cash bags and um I want to see if a team like that can can finally get it if the LA if the LA style of doing it can get it done uh we definitely see New York spend the money uh use this big market influence to get it 
get itself a title or two the past couple of years. Can L.A. do it? I haven't seen L.A. do it so far. So uh, let's see what they can do. I know there's a lot on L.A. There's a lot riding on L.A., but sure enough, Boston as well. Uh, they had a 106 wins this season. Uh, this was the best win total in their franchise history. So uh, look for them to come. Both teams, I think, to come off hot as well. Uh, but don't be surprised if, if, if uh Pitching takes a hold, and you have some pitchers duels throughout the series as well. They, they, they have what you would want. Uh, you know, if they, you know, LA may have the the better name, the more well known names. Uh, but Boston is is ha- is a is a example of a team you'd want to have. Uh, just like LA, LA might have the names, but uh, Boston definitely has the players. That's what I'm gonna say. Uh, f- for now, and you're gonna see that game one definitely. All right, y'all, so we're going to wrap this all up. And again, since it being, you know, October, Halloween month, Halloween, um, and, you know, uh, y- y'all can say what y'all will about this. Uh, you know, the coordinates, I know people have their beliefs, uh, you know, spiritual or religious, whatever. Halloween is one of my favorite days of the year, and it has nothing to do with the ghouls and goblins per se. Uh, I just always had it have fun on this day. I like I like the uh, the intent of, of people being scared. I like that that um that correlation of death and life and i like that i like that for i mean it's fun uh, i don't believe in the devil i don't i mean i i mean, i acknowledge that that entity at least in terms of energy is this but i don't believe in the horned devil i don't i'm not a paganist or nothing like that i just always always the day that i have fun uh, Halloween was always one of my favorite days of the year. I look out for that on the calendar. That I know I'm gonna stay out all night, get candy, have fun. And when I got older, that's what I did too: party or whatever. Halloween is a fun day. Uh, one thing I always loved about Halloween was the movie, was scary movies too. Like I said, I like the uh, the idea of purposely scaring yourself. Why? I don't know. I'm silly like that. Even though I would have night tread terrors, I don't know. I'm crazy. I'm retarded. Whatever. Well, I'm not retarded. That's disrespectful. But, you know, I'm crazy. Like Kanye. Anyways, one of my favorite scary movies of all time was the original Nightmare on Elm Street. uh, The first one. Uh, The the third one wasn't that bad either. The fifth one wasn't really that bad either. Uh, But, you know, even the fans will tell you that after this first one, uh, the quality slipped a little bit. And a lot of it had to do with uh, Wes Craven, a guy that I've already covered before with the movie Scream. Uh, it's just, you know, he stepped away after the first one. And you can tell that his influence uh, was was severely missing in subsequent films. But uh, in terms of the original Nightmare on Elm Street, we're not talking about the 2010 remake. I repeat, I will never talk about the 2010 remake. I think it's trash and doesn't exist, in my opinion. Um I think this is, in my opinion, of all the horror movies that I've seen, uh, I have a top three. And my top three, and I'm, I'm ranking them based on uh, the, the fear uh, mode and just also how good they are in terms of film in general. Uh, because the one thing that I, you know, that I, that is hard, you know, with the horror genre, even comedy genre uh, is that there's so much of a comedy movie or so much is made of them being a a comedy movie or horror movie it's easy to take away that this is also a film piece as well can it stack up against these other genres could it stack up against the godfather or great movies like that so you know i i think 
Freddy Krueger, like I said, the original Nightmare on M Street. It's one of the best that ever do that. Um, I, I, in, in the, in the terms of the '80s flashers, uh, your, your Jason, your, uh, your Michael Myers, so on and so forth. In my opinion, it, it, it was a lot better than those movies. And you know, I'll I'll get into it why. Even as a little kid, I always thought that even before I even watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I thought the concept of Freddy Krueger uh, was was quite terrifying, more so than than Jason or or Michael Myers. I thought those guys. To be honest with you, I always thought those movies were run of the mill. Uh, was was prototypical. I think they deserve some of their respect because of, you know, their, I guess, of what they, what they influenced. And so both of those guys, Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers as characters, uh, you know, were stalking menacing characters. But again, I saw too much similarities between the two outside of weapons, uh, besides the way the mask, the mask might look. But again, they were the same color type mask, uh, you know, with the same intention. Uh, Freddy Krueger came in there with something completely different. He had a, I mean, and don't get me wrong, the other guys had a backstory, and I thought those backstories were deep. And I think one thing I will give those movies were they gave an opportunity to build those backs. They gave you a real backstory. Uh, those guys got a real backstory. Uh, Freddy Krueger, on the other hand, uh, you know, he he was given a background story as well, but it was it was near the end of his almost what you would call a character arc. Uh, you know, halfway, uh, you're getting near the end of the movie. Then you finally, kind of, you finally figure out, oh, this guy was a child molester after you've already seen him kill a teen girl. So you know, then it becomes real to you. Then it becomes obvious to you after you've been, after you've already seen uh, him kill, you know, kill multiple people. Uh, with Freddie, I mean, with Jason and, and Michael, uh, I, I liked, uh, not, um, sorry, Halloween uh, for the simple fact that. Uh, again, you know, they, they gave you the backstory as you went along. Uh, they let you know, you know, who the characters were, what their relation was. Uh, but again, uh, the killing and the climax of all itself, you know, you had to wait to the end. And I, and I get that, you know, I get that it, it, it did a lot of building. And same thing with Jason, of course, like he killed throughout the movie. But just something about, you know, Freddy and him having a personality and him being, a and being able to talk. Uh it it uh saved the movie from having to have so much expose because you can pick up uh just about you can pick up on who freddy is throughout the movie you can pick up on freddy uh throughout the first scene you know he's the creeper stock you know there's something you know we you know he's not just a uh killer uh in a sense of you know he's just trying to you know slash people up and all that i mean although he is but there's more to it than that you know he gives you that creepy almost pedophile effect in the beginning he's outside of tina's window throwing rocks just like a typical guy would to get her attention you know throwing rocks little rocks at the window hey come on out the window you know gets her to come outside and um and mind you, that death scene, that first initial death scene was one of the most intense, I think, that'll ever be captured on film. And I don't think, I don't think movies are ready for that. I think that's the, that's the coldest death you'll ever see. If you haven't seen it yet, I suggest you do it. You know, I, you know, I, I, you know, because, you know, of course, the whole concept of Freddy is, you know, the, the person is, the victim is sleeping. You know, they can't wake up. 
you know, but I'm, you know, but you're thinking, oh, okay, Tina's, she's been laying there with her boyfriend, Rod, you know, they laid it down, he laid it down or whatever. And, you know, you figured, but they, since they in the bed together, he'll be able to shake her up. No, no, Freddie got the body in the air. He knocks the body in the rod. Rod hits the fucking lamp. It's a wrap. Like, he gets knocked down for like 30 seconds. He's unconscious, like 10 seconds. She's swinging around, thrown up on the ceiling, trail of blood everywhere. Rod! That's the ultimate death scene. I don't care. Let's argue. We can argue for hours on end. I don't think Jason touches this. I don't think Freddie touches. I don't think, I'm sorry. I don't think uh, Michael Myers touches this. We're talking at least not even a half an hour in. And we got, and we got, we got a, a woman, a teenage girl, butt ass naked on top of a ceiling, bloody as hell. And it's not even her period. You don't get as vicious as that. I think the only two, the only one movie that I could see gets as gruesome as that, in my opinion, it gets as as down as Freddy in terms of the gruesomeness of it and how it sticks with you is is uh is Texas Chainsaw because Texas Chainsaw they do oh man it's that movie is it deserves a review as well uh that's that's horror again done right uh again that's the imagery uh the cinematography that's one of the best you'll see in a horror movie and and see that's what people forget this is you know people people like the scares and people i think people get caught up with the scares and the blood i don't actually and sometimes i don't even think they get caught up with the the scare anymore uh scare and that's how i think you know somebody like Freddy, I mean, I'm sorry, somebody like Michael Myers and Jason, they get over. I think people just glorify the blood and the guts of it. Ooh, ah, there's, not, there's nothing scary about those guys, in my opinion. You want to avoid Michael? Just don't go to that town in whatever state that is. Illinois, just stay away from that damn town. You want to get away from it? Okay, go to the fucking lake. What is he going to He can't swim. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. That does, that's not scary to me. That's just lame. Oh, he chopped off the guy's head. Wow. You know how many real life situations have you heard about that happening? Like that happens in real life, dude. Like you never heard of a decapitation. That was like all of like, you know, like history. That was like part of our fucking history. That was the French Revolution was beheadings. Ooh, great. Chop the head off. Great. Ah, hockey mask. Ah, hockey mask killer. Come on now. I mean, come on. I mean, we know about situations like Michael. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Crazy brother kept down and abused for years. I mean, he eventually breaks free and kills. I mean, come on. I mean, of course, not to that extent, of course. And there's not, you know, that supernatural element, you know, which you have to shoot him hella times, of course. There's not that. But come on. To me, all I see is just the killing. And killing is represent. I mean, I, I mean, we do that. We do that simply every day. The concept of you having because think about. I mean, I always thought Freddy Krueger was scary on this end. You have to sleep. I don't have to swim or go to Camp Crystal Lake. I don't have to go nowhere in the summertime. I don't have to go to that damn town in Illinois. I can avoid Michael Myers had he really existed. If I want to avoid Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, I don't go to Texas. And if you go by the real story, you just don't go to Florida. That's simple. You have to go to sleep. Or you die from not being able to go to sleep, from not going to sleep. You know you can die from not sleeping, right? 
That's that brings another element into the game, and you can die in this. And see, this is the cold part. People die in their sleep, uh, and 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 this is one thing that I will give, um, Wes Craven. He has a a well, he had because he passed away. R.I.P. He had a extremely good talent, and and mind you, this is all ironic because. Horror movies were not what he wanted to be a part of. That was not his thing. He wanted to make, I wanted to say he wanted to make romantic comedies, if I'm not mistaken. But it was not his thing, the horror genre. But he has a, he has a real skill at bringing together the, the effects of Hollywood, but the realness of what can go down in real life. For example, I, I know I talked about it in uh, my review of Scream, uh, but at the time that movie came out, that's when you had the school the school shootings. As a matter of fact, the original school that he wanted to uh, shoot the movie at, this, it, well, didn't allow them to because there was a situation at their school within that same uh, that same time frame. Uh, dealing with school shootings, or if not a situation uh, that occurred, if it wasn't a situation that occurred, it was them being on high alert and saying, we're, we don't want to promote that here. So, you know, we're talking at a, you know, it was a movie about a high school killer at a time where there were high school killers. Again, with Freddy Krueger, uh, you know, there was a time period. Now, people were in the movie were dying, being killed in their sleep. However, in real life, uh, people can die in their sleep. You can die from a, from from bad dreams. You can die from a heart attack from that. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was a uh, population of young Cambodian males who were immigrating to Los Angeles at the same time that Wes uh, Craven was out there. And this is part of his, uh, some of his influence about the story was that they were coming here, um, you know, of course, immigrating here, living here, and they would have these, they would be affected every night by these night terrors. Now, part of this people are, are saying, at least in terms of the dream part, uh, people are starting to explain that now because they were escaping uh, they were they were refugees escaping war torn uh, Cambodia uh, right at the end of the Khmer Rouge, the Mer Rouge excuse me and you know they'll be haunted by that so these these young men would be dying in their sleep uh, and and be essentially be uh, dreaming of being killed this is real talk this is real stuff now coupled with the fact that you need sleep to live you have to then deal with that. I'm sorry, Freddy Krueger is is a, is another level, to is another level of horror to me, and there's very few movies that can touch that. I'll give you The Exorcist because I do believe that certain possession is real, and I like you know the realness of that. I like if it's gonna if the if I like true horror that that rings true in everyday life. You know, that mirrors life in some way. Or I like horror that can touch you in a psychological way. Like, I've always been a fan of, of, of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. And the reason being was because it's not the, the most scary thing you've ever seen. There's not a whole lot of jump scares. It's not a whole lot of blood and guts and gore. But there's suspense. There's 
actual fear that's conveyed in the actors. The acting in that movie is magnificent. Same here in Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, the main character, played by Heather Langkamp, Nancy, is one of the most um, forward-thinking, non-submissive female archetypes you'll ever see. And, you know, that's not to pander at women. That's not to uh, play the feminist role. I think she's uh, her character alone being the badass standing up to that man that she is. She's more of a more of a feminist than a lot of these people pretend to be today. So that's my opinion about that. But overall, you know, I gave it a 10 out of 10. And it's very few, it's very few movies that I can give a 10 out of 10 regardless of genre. Uh, but it hit on all parts. It's an essential horror film. It makes you fear. It gives you a clear-cut story. And I think the clear-cut story is given to you uh, without even the backstory. You can build it together once you hear the backstory. Things make sense. Scenes make sense. The scene where he sticks his tongue out at Nancy. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. It makes sense when the, the mother says, yes, we had to kill that man. He was a he was a, a child murderer and a molester. Oh, well, that's why he was sticking his tongue out. Come to Freddy. Oh, that makes perfect sense now. He sucked Johnny Depp down to bed, dude. He don't play that shit. He ain't coming at you just with no with no machete. Just going to cut, cut you with a damn, stab you with a damn knife. Freddy will suck you into a TV screen. Primetime, bitch. Did you see the third one? I'm just saying, just the way Freddy get at you is cold. It's on a whole nother level. Everything about him is a whole nother level. And on top of that, he has a personality. When you get a monster with a personality, I'm sorry. That's it, baby. Fuck the wolf man. Fuck that motherfucker. Give me silver bullets. You have a clear, you have a clear way to beat them motherfuckers. Oh, you want to beat Dracula? Give me a stake. Uh, you can't beat Freddy unless you really got balls. If you got any type of fear, it's a wrap. He's just gonna get stronger. He feeds off your fear. Nancy had to turn her back. You know how hard that must be to turn your back against somebody who just burnt your mama alive? Oh, no. Just suck your boyfriend through the bed. Drag your girl, your, your, your partner through the school. Tina? Oh, hell no. Oh, no. Freddy Krueger is a beast. He's the epitome of your worst nightmare. You stop sleeping on him. Greatest horror movie ever. No argument. And that's upon further review. All right, y'all. We're going to wrap this show up for today. Um, it's been a good one. I told you we had to go in. Uh, being that it's Halloween, we still got some time for Halloween month. I want to come out with another review for you guys. I'm telling you, these are some of my favorite movies uh, in the horror genre. Uh, definitely, I gotta talk about some some Texas Chainsaw. I, I think I I think I owe it to you guys to get into that too. I I, I like that movie as well. I think I'll compare both uh, versions though. However, I'll do a comparison. Uh, that's one thing I haven't. Did 
done and I said I would do a, a, a compare and contrast so I'll do an old versus new I'll do the 2003 uh, remake which I personally like with Jessica Bill and I'll compare that to the original I believe it was 1977-79 version of Texas Chainsaw so uh, we're going to be busy I'm going to be busy y'all I'll be right back uh, either today or I'm sorry not today but uh, tomorrow uh, yeah I'll be back tomorrow I'll be going over that uh, post game analysis with y'all for the World Series I might not have that old versus new for the Texas Chainsaw, but uh, I'll definitely have the world on the street, and it is NBA season. Don't think I've forgotten, y'all. Sorry, I just, you know, I got sick for a couple days, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, okay? So, bear with me. I'll be here. We're going to be talking some NBA. Uh, we'll be going over to sc some scores tomorrow night as well, uh, whatever news is popping off there. Um Definitely going to go over, talk a little bit about Jimmy Butler, too, and and try to figure out what's the deal with that. Because I've been hearing about it. I've been watching these people talk about it. Uh, I've been looking it up myself. I've been watching the interviews. I don't know, you know, his interviews. I don't know what to say, but uh, I definitely wanted to talk about that, too. All right, y'all. So we're going to wrap it up for today. If anybody hasn't told you yet, told you yet I love you, and y'all have a good day. Peace out. One love.